Hello and welcome back to just another football podcast. Back again. I'm back again after my week enforced break. And I'm joined tonight by Ali. How you doing, mate? Doing good, doing good. Um, pretty busy week, but hello. We're back. We'll get into some of our uh, what we've been up to in the last week. Um, oh, yeah. But before we do, we've got a uh, collector's item on tonight's episode, which is the <laughs> fact that young George, number eight, uh, has made it into into this episode. Uh, it's been a while, George. How you doing, pal? It has been a while. It's been a, sh- a, a, a yeah, a long hiatus, but it's I'm slacking. back. Yeah, I was, um, you know, got business to attend to, I suppose. But uh, <laughs> no, no, I'm back. back Loads of business. God, yeah, where well, have you been? Those that know, um, I hate everything that is now associated with that saying. So, <laughs> I, I didn't know that. So. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like I just, yeah, and individuals have just ruined those words for me. I um, actually don't know the backstory behind this, so uh, that's yeah, that's a very uh, intriguing uh, thing. Maybe I'll fair. No, no, trust me. Um, <laughs> in any case, I just want to kind of <laughs> quickly uh, prefix the start of this with: if energy levels are running a bit low in this episode i just want to you know apologize in advance <laughs> oh uh, it's been i was explaining to the guys before we started recording it's been a long weekend for me uh involving a 16 hour uh trip yesterday back uh from skiing and i'm absolutely knackered from that and then I had to go to a wedding today and it's just been a drag of a weekend so what better way to finish it off than coming on this podcast and ranting about football basically i'm i'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it what a first world problem. Mm. <laughs> I know it's awful. <laughs> Truly awful. Um what have you guys been up to? Anything interesting? Um long long day at work. I actually ended up uh missing pretty much all of North Silver because I was at work, but I ended up watching much of the game and uh most of the hi- like the highlights package that NBC put out. Um yeah. then we'll be talking about this later. Um but a mm-hmm. pet peeve I have, and I love my job, and it like, do not get me wrong, but I do get to miss a lot of uh, out on a lot of football. But then I, God, yeah. Tottenham I, I City I was like, yeah, Tottenham City was one of the best games I've seen in a while. Mm. Uh, but we'll we'll talk about mm. those two. But yeah, long week. That's stressful. Work, but like, we'll uh, so I had to watch all the weekend's games uh, in the airport yesterday on on some streams, and it's just it, yeah, it's a stressful experience. Particularly when you're watching your own team, it's like. It's not what you want to be doing, really. No. You want to be there or at home watching it on your couch, rather than you know, yeah. n- not quite able to take it all in. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to cope if my uh, job incorporated what yours did, Ali, which mm-hmm. means you miss mm-hmm. games. Yeah. Uh, George, do you want to give the listeners any particular reason for your continued absences? You know, have you, uh, do you want, do you want to just clear that up, or um, is it, is it it's, that interesting? It, it, it's really not that interesting. It's just work. Um, I work American hours, so sometimes, unfortunately, it does overlap with our, our recordings. I mean, interesting update, I suppose, since we last spoke was that I did. I went to the Newcastle Everton game, um, and oh, yeah. Everton Everton chanted uh, "Super Super" uh, like "Super Frank." Obviously, the chant I think most people know, and I it, I physically cringed. I physically <laughs> cringed. Um, so so I'm really yeah, glad. I'm really glad. That's <laughs> totally wrong. Yeah, Newcastle Adam. So and they stopped yeah, them three awful. one. Yeah, yeah, good, yeah, yeah, was, yeah, good riddance. I guess for for so those that. for those listening to the first time uh, for, to the podcast, you'll know later on the episode that uh, George is a Chelsea fan. Uh, but um, mm-hmm. you uh, you live right 
uh, at um, Newcastle's ground, uh, St. James's Park. Um, so, yeah, just a bit of context. On his there. doorstep. On the doorstep. Yep. On the doorstep for Brilliant stuff. George. Yeah, it's a good one to take in. In any case, we've uh, updated the listeners on what we've been up to before we get into this episode. So, without further ado, we'll uh, recap some of the weekend's action. Okay, so we'll start with, well, what was probably the main talking point of the weekend, which was, unfortunately, uh, Tottenham getting a win at the Etihad against unfortunately. Manchester City. Unfortunately. That's no, the best day of my life. I know, I know, I know. Well... The thing is, Ali, I want to just um, alert the listeners to your thoughts uh, during the game yesterday. So (laughs) just before Ali, you know, tries to waffle about how good Spurs were and what a great performance it was by Conte. And, you know, Ali yesterday, Hmm. he said, and I quote, I'm actually finding this Spurs performance a bit pathetic, so hard to watch. So this was yesterday at half six. It would have been half time or uh, just before the time. second half started. Yeah. Um, at the time, it was one all. Spurs went on to win the game 3-2. Um, any part of you that regrets that, Ali? <laughs> Not necessarily at that point, to be honest. And the, yeah. they did change things second half. The The main reason Spurs did end up scoring those the, the goals, the high-quality chances that they created, is because they changed their approach second half. Mm. I thought for much of the first half, they, uh, they got the early goal brilliant brilliant goal like by all means and we'll, we'll talk about that later on from um the kind of tactical yeah. perspective but i thought Tottenham for large portions of the game were passive. way too passive way too passive yeah. um, do, do you think and, though mm-hmm. it, it's one of those where you score so early like you're one nil up practically what was it four minutes into the game and 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 there's kind of this tendency then to kind of try and at least hold on to what you've got. Whereas then you, you sort of said there was a, a shift in the second half where it was, you know, the game gets back to one all. And I think they probably realised they couldn't keep playing the way they were because if they did, they were just going to get penned in and it was going to be attack after attack. So you have to offer some threat going the other way. Do you think that was any part of it? The fact that they scored so early and then, you know, felt like they probably had something to hold on to? I guess, I think that's a fair point. I also think that you have an opportunity now that now that man city are pushing forward even even more uh for you know an equalizer they're already chasing um like they already have nothing to to lose after the the one nil being one mm. down like they man city had to win um mm. so once they're one nil down they'll they'll be even they'll be on the attack even further and man city aren't used to being in a situation where they're behind Not- so I thought there was an opportunity and there were the spaces to do so for similar, you know, phases of attack. I do believe now that they have uh, Bentoncourt and Kulusevsky added to a squad. They do have the ability to pass it around. Rom- um, Christian Romero is a really technically sound yeah, defender. He's good. He's he's very good on the ball. So they yeah. have they have those three additions, and previously they didn't have a lot of good ball distributors. Now they can kind of suck in possession and break. So when if they if they keep possession for just a little bit, make an attempt to kind of trigger some city press and play through the press, which is something they like. That's the primary way they score goals: is trigger press, attack the space via Kane and Son, and that's yeah. how they score the goal. 
do that often, like do that more often for, but for maybe 20 minutes in the first half between let's say 20 ish minutes and the end of the half, they, they were just like gathered around the box, lump it forward or the ball finds its way to son. Nobody's with him. Everybody else is behind the ball, including Kane. And then son just loses it. And it's another city attack. So, and, and that's ultimately like city deserved the goal for that, for, for persisting and for yeah. also because Tottenham were were so unwilling to to like you know capitalize on the fact that City were pressurizing them so much and and um, and that's one of the trade offs with text with with Pep's tactical style is the amount of space that's left behind. I, I do the, the the problem with that though, Ali. I think is most goals in the Premier League are scored now. At- shortly after a turnover so playing it out from the back consistently when uh, when you win the ball against man city is an extremely dangerous game i think we forget how good they are at pressing rather than just keeping the ball man uh, Man city stifle stifle defenses stifle midfield really quickly um and potentially uh contagious didn't see it especially maybe going one nil up as something a, a risk worth taking um, a you lot know, I think as well, the, the the kind of indication I get from watching Man City, and I don't know if the stats will back this up, but they score in the first 20, 25 minutes in a lot of games. They go 1-0 up in a lot of games quite yeah. early. And it feels like to me that if they have any weakness, that is it. If the game state is yeah. actually quite tense, yeah. then they're just, and, and it's the same with any team. They're not going to be as good if the game's getting on and they're not in the you know desired position they want to be. Not saying they run out of ideas, but certainly I think you can get something against them. So yeah. maybe there was kind of a, a, a and, and Tottenham, you've got to remember as well, they lost three games in a row. You know, the, there's been a storm around the club kind of in the last week with Conte coming out. And, you know, there's reports he's been told not to do interviews in Italian. And he's yeah. kind of been seen to, you know, criticize the club and the group of players he's got. There's kind of a siege mentality with it all, I think, with the way they approached it, which was right over our dead body. Are we going to? you know, go two, three nil down early and yeah. just be out yeah. of this thing. We've got it's it, it's it's kind of about survival. If we get to half time winning or level as they ended up being, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. Because we we can get a result the longer this game goes on. So look, I don't want to be the one sitting here defending <laughs> Tottenham. Uh, I loathe that position. But what I will say is that on the day he played the hand that quite frankly, they were dealt very well. Tottenham yeah. are a transition team. There's no doubt about that. They are yeah. not a team that are going to uh, farm 70% of the ball, let alone against a you know team like Man City, but generally against any opponent. If you watch them, they're at their best when they're sucking teams in and hitting them on the break because they've got a striker that's one of the best, if not the best, nine and, nine and a halfs in the world where he can drop in uh, and, yeah. and play passes like he did for the... The opening goal. That pass um, was ridiculous. Got... The pass it was. was it, it, it's and it's crazy defending, by the way. I mean, I, we should add. I just. I oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I, I can't I, understand. I have. I have things to say about this goal. I have yeah. things to say about the goal because it, I found it quite weird. And maybe yeah, it's early it. in the game, and and uh, you know the players are kind of gathering concentrate or like they're still not into the, the game fully yet. Like it's the start of it. It's fine. But first of all, the space left behind is quite a lot of space now there were three defenders that was Cancelo leftmost um Laporte in the middle and uh, uh Ruben Diaz 
on the right. Yeah. And the first two were past the halfway line. Diaz wasn't. Mm-hmm. And essentially they were every every Man City team was pinned by or like had a a, a Tottenham man on them. So Kane is on Laporte, Kulusevski is on Joao Cancelo on the other side, and Ruben Diaz is on uh Human Son. Yeah. So Kane drops in, Laporte is sucked in with him, so he's past the halfway line. Now Diaz here makes two mistakes. First of all, doesn't recognize that all of the players pass the halfway line, so he doesn't step up beyond the halfway line because then any run from the Tottenham players are, is going to be offside because the run's starting pretty much from the halfway line. Mm. Mm. But the second mistake is that once he realizes this, the pass is already played and he wants to step up to uh, to play the offside trap and he gets it way off. So human sons yeah. away. Yeah. Um, so it's a, yeah. it's a really good move by Tottenham. Kane plays an outrageous pass, but it's also a great I pass. think it's like a two or three way error by, by Man City. What I was going to say as well, like you're absolutely right with the errors you pointed out, but also for how high, as you said, there's one player in Man City's half. The the other nine outfield players are in Tottenham's half. The ball gets to Kane so easily. Very like, easily it, yeah. It, it, oh yeah, it's definitely. unbelievable. It's it's almost uncontested, and it and it's so strange for a team that. Uh, one of, if not the best, at winning the ball in the opposition's half like that. Um, you know, along with Liverpool, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, the ball goes into Kane pretty much uncontested. And yeah. then there's one pass and he's thrown goal. I just, it's strange. Structurally, it, it, it did not look right whatsoever. It's one of those goals you probably won't see scored against Man City again for the rest of the season. I mean, it's just absolute madness. I mean, it is really good play f- uh, from Kane. It's a good run from Son. I mean, how many times have we seen that? Um, into outrun from him with a, with the uh, cane passing it in behind him. And it just, you know, if you were going to um, pinpoint a blueprint for how Tottenham could score a goal and could get something, it pretty much would be that. Um, and it, yeah, it just surprises me. Like, and then, and then you're chasing the game and, and, and it just feels like to me that Tottenham for all their faults and they still have a lot. I mean, look, you've you got to remember this is a team that had lost at home previously to Southampton, lost to Wolves. And I'm not trying to say this as a biased fan, but they clearly have problems, but they seem yeah. to map up quite well against Man City because it's kind of what they're good at is potentially if Man City do have a chink in the armour, it is teams that are very, they, they counter on you quickly and have runners and are structured in that. Um, but it just seemed too easy on that goal. I mean, like the the other the other goals, I, I don't know if you sort of want to talk about them in a bit more detail, but they they were slightly better worked, I think. At least they, you know, they, they had to do a bit more for them. It wasn't just <laughs> one pass and then he's their own goal. Um, That's my point. When you're so good at transition play, sucking um, pressure in, and at that point, Man City were still chasing the game because they probably wanted to get something more than a point out of it. No, they want to win every and game. They, and they went 2-1 mm. two, two, uh, two down. And then the disallowed goal, rightly so, Kulusevski was offside, and then the goal laid on in added time are possibly, like, they're almost carbon copies. Yeah, uh, Passing in, in one side of the pitch. Um, yeah. And then Kulusevski is completely free. Like, Peter, Dr- Peter Drury is so, so good. And I'm so lucky that I get yeah, to listen to him every week commentating on some game. What a man! Like the the this guy's usage of words is is impeccable. It tells the story of the game really, really well. In the third goal, he said Kulusevsky, 
set off running eons ago. That was that was his words because Kulusevski yeah. had peeled away so so far early because Cancelo was sucked into the into pressing ton of players passing around in midfield, and mm. even in the in the uh, disallowed goal, Kulusevski should have done a better job at recognizing his position and where the defensive he didn't line need is. To be offside. He, didn't he didn't need, need to, be to be offside, offside. at all. Yeah, um, and it yeah. was a really well worked goal in that in that respect. Um, you know. Passes in one side of the pitch. Switch of play to Kulusevski is completely free. The same thing for the third goal. And and in both cases, Kulusevski was freed long, long before the play was, was made to him. And that's the thing. Like That's that's why I say in the first half, they they didn't utilize that more. Like They could have killed the game off in the first half, in my opinion, because the, defensively, they were doing an amazing job at limiting Man City's quality mm. of chances and man city equalized with a dodgy penalty anyway yeah a, a, so, a dodgy yeah. penalty and, and yeah, a goalkeeper mistake like yeah, and a goalkeeper error, game, yeah. if you look at the two goals they scored for for all the ball they had um yeah. they didn't create an awful lot pretty like as we said it's a goalkeeping error for the first goal there's no yeah. two ways about it and then it it is a penalty but it's quite unlucky like you know they're not you're not trying to win a penalty like that yeah. and it just kind of ends up hitting his hand it's it's in the 60 40 margin i guess um like yeah, it is a penalty I, you don't I, see I'm gonna talk, I, that that decision i i'll refer back to specifically later on uh for mm. for a good reason okay um let's hold uh, it yeah just just you can timestamp that you can note that one down um yeah. but yeah, they didn't create an awful lot. Tottenham defended well. I think the best part of their performance, as much as like people will go on about the Kane songs, that didn't surprise me particularly. Like I expect them to do that. Mm, I think they defended the half spaces really well. Because if you watch Man City, that they're very good at obviously getting the ball out into those wide half spaces, creating overloads there. And then you know how often do they get to the byline, cut it back, and have a tap in? I mean, like they play without a striker and yet score so many goals like that. Tottenham defended those areas really well. Obviously, Romero had a very good game, um, even though the penalty was quite unlucky. Um, I think their their wing backs did well in what they were tasked with. I mean, uh, Emerson Royal still looks extremely limited on the ball, but, you know, he stuck to his task, uh, as did Sessegnon. You know, this was a performance from Tottenham. I didn't think they'd win, obviously. I thought they'd get beat, but it Mm. doesn't surprise me massively in terms of the... The, the kind of blueprint and the way they went about getting a result because I've seen them do this before. I've seen them do this before against Man City under three different managers, no less. Um, so you, you have to give them credit with that. And, and they had to get a result. I think if they lose that, you know, they end up six points behind Arsenal. I think it would be now something like t- they would have been 10 points behind Man United, yeah. albeit with a few games in hand. It's very difficult, to, and they have something like I think their goal difference is now zero. Had they lost, it would have been negative. Um, it's very difficult to come back from that. I mean, you basically have to—you you can't just get level. You have to get more points because your goal difference is going to be worse. Um, they could—they—they they, they probably had to win, if I'm honest. Even a draw leaves them a long way back, given their yeah. two previous results at home, which were really bad results, kind of for that reason. Because then you have to go and get a result in Man City. Um, where am I going with this? Yeah, they can win games like this. I think if I'm assessing Tottenham going forwards, though, they've got two games in the next week against Burnley and against Leeds. In both mm-hmm. those games, they should be having the lion's share of possession. And it's kind of like, how are they then going to deal with those sort of games? Yeah, because that, that, that is for true. Me, that for me is the question. You know, how are they going to deal with it when a team goes, OK, well, we're not going to fly out of our own half and let you play one pass through to Son. Uh 
you can have the ball. We're going to pretty much do what you do, which is, you know, sit on our 18-yard, particularly Burton. I think Leeds will be a bit different. I was going to say Leeds, Leeds might. One ball yeah. through Leeds might actually... <laughs> but, but, but Burnley will be interesting, not because they're a good team, but because they will camp in. They'll have eight, nine men behind the ball. Uh, and and, and they'll say break us down and and you know I'm not saying Tottenham they should still win that game, but it's you know it's one where they maybe don't match up as well stylistically. But that, that that's the thing for me. Where does this leave Man City? We don't talk about Man City a lot on this podcast. <clears throat> Is it just a blip? Is it a team? As I've said, and I think we've kind of agreed, Tottenham are a pretty ad match stylistically for Man City in terms of they are good at doing the things maybe Man City you know, a uh, 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 vulnerable to? Is it just an off day or is there kind of a deeper concern? Because I've seen a few Man City fans suggesting they got away with it against Arsenal, for being honest. They were lucky to take a point, let alone all three. And they've not quite played as well. I know they had a great win in midweek in the Champions League, but they've kind of huffed and puffed a bit in recent weeks uh, in some of their Premier League games. Where are they, do you think, you know, going forwards from, the, from this game? I... I wouldn't be too concerned if I was a City fan. I think it it's extremely hard to sustain, um, you know, uh, constant um, 10 out of 10 performances week in, week out. And the way they play means that they don't have to do that necessarily. Yes, they've lost against Tottenham, but Tottenham are a good side. And like you said, I think stylistically they do, uh, it, with, with the threat on the counter-attack, you know, it, it, it seemed like a, a good um, fit for for the Spurs team, I I think it's still I I I think it's still City's title. I I, w- I wouldn't be too concerned if I'm entirely honest. What do you think, Ali? Um, so this Tottenham games in particular, Man City seem to every game against Tottenham in recent years, they seem to concede the same type of goal a lot on the on the break because of their style of trying to win the ball back as high as possible and ton of just having two of the elites of the elites in transition. And mm. that's that's just a symptom of Pep's limitations. And every tactic has a limitation. Every tactic will have its drawbacks. So I think this is just the, the particular game that they that they lost. The other blip was against Southampton, the 1-1 draw. Well, I wouldn't read too much into that, apart from the fact that now there is a title there is a thing about Southampton, yeah. That was another yeah. uh, result they yeah. slipped up in. And There's definitely a title the, race, yeah. There is definitely a title race now because now Liverpool are... And I didn't realize this until the morning and I tweeted out, um, like, yeah, Goal, should... had, Goal had tweeted, and that'll lead us nicely to the Liverpool game. Goal yeah. had tweeted that the, the title is in Liverpool's hands now. And I'm like, no. It's mathematically literally isn't, and it turns out it is because of what game yeah. in hand on and the goal on differences and the games in hand, and you still got to play them again. Yeah, uh, yeah, we it, got it, to play. Them. It is it is also in City's hand. Oh yeah, no, it's in City both. Win that. Yeah, it's in both their hands. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. It's, so it, I guess it's I guess an interesting situation. I'm wrong as well. <laughs> like that was a shock. It's pretty yeah. rare. Like it, it, you know, as it stands, obviously, and I, I expect there'll be drop points, probably from both teams at some point. I mean, as we said, it's remarkable to just keep winning and winning. Yeah. I mean, both teams have shown they can do it, but it, like generally, you've got to expect that they will slip up at some point. Um, it's quite rare you get a situation where literally, because Liverpool, are, it, you, if you assume they're going to beat Leeds, they're three points behind and they play each other. So both of them have it in their hands in terms and, and the goal differences are like really similar as well at the moment I think there's like they're both in the 40s um, 
at like 44 and 46 maybe i should this is unprofessional for me i should have checked it um but it's yeah it's remarkable really we could be in a situation come that game where it you know essentially is a playoff i mean that you know might be wishful thinking from a you know spectacle point of view but yeah it, it, it sets it up nicely um moving on I mean, we've already mentioned Liverpool sort of in that uh, preamble there. Mm-hmm. Uh, 3-1 winning against Norwich Alley. What did you make of it? I didn't catch this game because I was busy watching another game, which we'll come to later. Um, but yeah. it seemed like Liverpool, you know, sh- were rocked back for 10 minutes with a sort of a freak deflection goal. Um, but then scored two in quick succession and from there probably got mm-hmm. the win they ultimately deserved from the game. Um, you could say they were uh, rocked for a bit longer because, for like against Norwich, you wouldn't expect the game to be nil nil for that long. At half time, that's uh, true. Exactly. Um, I didn't catch the game live either because I was working, as I, as I mentioned at the start. But I did catch up with a lot of the game, and I think there are two things here. One, credit Liverpool for staying calm i guess in the circumstances three things actually mm. two pep linders deciding to go 4-4-2 at 1-1 changed the game completely three the substitutions themselves henderson and tiago what a game from those uh, from, from those two henderson playing a hand in the first goal and um and the third goal henderson's kind of lofted ball to simicast Simicast not to get down. Ted Manning was, was with with an outrageous finish on the bicycle kick and mm. through ball to Luis Diaz after that many passes. I think it was like thirty three passes. Uh, and a great finish for Luis Diaz to his first Premier League goal for us. I, I was gonna uh, sort of say, yeah. yeah. Um, to me, I, I watched the Liverpool game in midweek um, against Milan. Oh yeah. And what really stood out to me, and I think more so because you can make five subs in the Champions League. Mm. Liverpool suddenly look like they've got options off the bench. Like it's really interesting how quickly it's changed. With, I mean, they only signed Luis Diaz in January, but they've mm. kind of got everyone fit now. And and, yeah. and suddenly it looks like okay, if you need to take a couple of midfielders off, you can bring a couple on. And if you need to take a couple of forward players off, you've got Firmino or Diaz or Jota. Like two of them are going to be on the bench. You know, at most times. I know Jota got injured in midweek, but and Firmino um, isn't available for some time. Yeah. Uh, he's he he was injured, wasn't he, earlier in yeah. the season? So it, it it's just interesting that now I think that's been the question all season: is do Liverpool have the depth to kind of go with Man City if they get a few injuries? And I still think if they get injuries to you know the likes of Van Dijk or Allison or Salah, they are irreplaceable players. Like yeah, and and there's no shame in that. But they have options off the bench, and and as you've mentioned, you you brought a couple of players on, and they've made the difference in a game where you had to win to keep pace. And I mean, who knows? Had you not won that game, maybe Man City would have gone and beat Spurs 5-0. Like, you just don't know, right? Yeah, so absolutely. It's, yeah. I, I, I think Liverpool got a really good chance, actually. They're, they're kind of building up ahead of steam. It was a dangerous month for them that, that January. When they lost to Leicester, I think it was, at the end of December, and then you had Salah and Mane going oh, to AFCON, you sort of looked at it and thought... And then they had Chelsea, I think, and they drew that. And you thought, they're a couple of bad results away from the title race being over. Yeah. But Man City dropped a couple of points, and suddenly you're right there, Ali. It goes in cycles. At the Like earlier on this season, maybe October, November time, Chelsea were winning 4-0 against Juventus and, and just looking unbeatable. And I was, I was then like, there was an episode I did with Fergal. I thought at one stage Chelsea have the title to lose like if this is Chelsea was that the game Chilwell uh, done his ACL in 
as well, I think. Uh, and that's kind of where it changed them. Uh, maybe, it might have been, actually. Yeah, been. I think he might have um, gone off from an ACL. But, but uh, you're right, right now, OG, yeah. I'm more, much more positive about our, our title chances, our Champions League chances, our Carabao Cup chances. We're still in the FA Cup. Why with the quadruple, Harry? Well, the quadruple. However, yeah. it, I think it will depend on how quickly Firmino and Jota are back. Both are injured at the moment. Jota's is not as quite as bad as first feared. Firmino will be out for a while, though. That's what Klopp said. We again, nobody. Yeah, I he was injured again. Cry. I, I knew yeah. he got injured uh, earlier in the season. He, he was is out. out. For a few weeks. He is out. That's why he was. He didn't start the game. We started with Mane as a striker in Norwich, which I thought was quite weird. But I then I didn't know about the Firmino thing until afterwards. So yeah, yeah much more positive though. Than yeah, a few months ago, needed to win, got the result. And then, as you know, we've talked about Man City slipped up, and you know you've now got this game against Leeds in midweek, and you can you know go within three points, and 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 by the looks of it, probably score a few goals and do your goal difference. Uh, some good watching Leeds uh, attempt to defend in the last few games. <laughs> On one side of Liverpool, it's been pretty good. On the other side, not so much for your uh, Merseyside rivals. Who produced? I mean, it's pr a pretty low bar for Everton this season. Some of the performances <laughs> they've turned out. Yeah. But looking at this game, and, and I, I've watched parts of it back. I watched the highlights. There were no Everton highlights that I saw. Yeah. They didn't have a single chance that was shown. It was actually um, funny watching the highlights. Like, th this actually. might be their worst performance of the season. And I know Southampton are on a good run and and, and are playing well and a, a good. So I mean, Southampton could push for the top half of the table. They're, yeah. they're doing well yeah, at the moment. So like, let's give credit where credit's due. But. It was really bad from Everton. I mean, they're really getting dragged into this relegation battle now. If you look at their next three games, I think it's Man City, Spurs, Wolves. I don't know if it's that order, but like those are their next three games. Um, I mean, three bad results there. And uh, George, your man Frank Lampard. Uh, this just confirms the hypothesis, the general hypothesis that he's tactically just not very competent. I it's great. I mean, he's, he's uh, that is that is woeful analysis. No, I'm joking. Um, he's 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 been he's been poor. Uh, to be fair, I mean, Everton have been poor all season. He came into a oh club yeah, it's nothing new. Extremely stagnant, and he's trying to play a different way now. I just I get the feeling he doesn't trust a lot of his players. Like he clearly. Uh, I, I, he, he, he makes a lot of changes in midfield. He's, bring, he's brought in too many midfielders as well. Poor recruitment, uh, in my opinion, in January. I don't know how much say he had, probably uh, quite a bit in terms of um, last-minute deals. But, you know, bringing in two centre-mids that, that were fairly similar. Um, uh, obviously, uh, Van der Beek plays a little bit deeper, but but I, I don't believe they needed both. Um Having said that, interesting that yeah. I think I think they'll be okay because of the quality of the squad, um, ha uh, and also the how poor the teams are below them. Um, I think their home games will be key. I mean, they've only had two under Frank and they've won them both, albeit yeah. against Leeds and Brentford, who aren't you know they're they're in and around them in the table. Those two, um, but they've been better at home. Uh, yeah. under him so far i mean they've been pretty poor in the two away games admittedly against newcastle and southampton um but i i do think that they've got enough like you look at it and you think richarlison and calvert i know calvert has been injured for a lot of the season but like they should get them goals um and i'm not sure you could say that about some of the other teams down there although 
to to give credit to uh, to Burnley, they they produced one of the best performances I think probably of the season in that three 0 drubbing of Brighton. I couldn't quite believe that. The goals are great. The uh, so Vickhorst finished. Like, yeah, it was a great side footer, and then uh, the third Fantastic goal I think was finish. Aaron Lennon. Aaron Lennon like just rifles one into the top corner. Nobody, nobody in the yeah. world is gonna save it. Um, yeah. One thing about Newcastle getting Chris Wood is now I think like I thought the, about this yesterday. What if why didn't Newcastle sign Vic Horst instead and then just leave Chris Wood at Burnley? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think it's Premier League experience, isn't it? It's a bit less of a risk. Uh, yeah, and we should. Uh, I mean, it's not that Vegas has been bad, but it, that was his first goal in you know four games or whatever he's been there for. So it's not like he's come in and hit the ground running straight away. Yeah. Um, you know, Chris Wood's not started especially great for Newcastle, but yeah. they're getting results. XG um, figures from the game are quite funny too. I don't have the actual numbers in front of from me. From Bur- Brighton, Burnley. Brighton, Burnley, but Brighton. I just, just straight on following that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Just I didn't mean to go off on a tangent, but I thought I'd, I'd put that in there. Um, yeah. Let's talk about some of the other games. Uh, we've already mentioned uh, Leeds, but they played out an, an interesting game today. Uh, hell must have frozen over because Man United scored from a corner today, which I think was their first corner goal in something like 140 corner kicks. It's, exactly uh, 140 kicks. Yeah. It, I, I, and the funniest part anyway. about all of it is that they actually hired a set-piece coach in the summer. Um, <laughs> it's similar. I think we did it last season as well. We hired some guy from Brentford and we did this bloody thing where we just put like eight men on the line and started crossing it in and didn't we scored like one all season i mean i don't know what it is with some of these hipster coaches coming in and kind of trying to reinvent the wheel <laughs> hipster coaches marginal gains harry marginal gains you, well uh, yeah we didn't go we definitely didn't gain anything and yeah, man united say, hadn't gained anything either it, it's marginal a it's a matter losses. of execution if they if you're coaching a team and they're not carrying it out what's what's the coach's problem you know yeah, but then i watched the corner they scored today and it just looks like the most basic thing just whip it into a good area and slap I think, it just heads I think it in it's it's more it's leads have just been incapable of defending. Yeah. Oh, I mean, the well, goalkeeper, I've got to yeah. It's just yeah. abysmal what he does for that. It's abysmal yeah. what he does for three of the goals to them. Mm-hmm. It's just absolutely diabolical. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was it, very poor. Physically. I don't want to spend like ages on this, but it was kind of vintage Man United where they're okay in, you know, five, ten minute spells, scored a couple of nice goals. Uh, once they conceded a goal, they were mental midgets and conceded straight away again. Mental and it midgets. was two all. And then it was kind of... Yeah, I mean, it was Mental it was... United. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. We have a title for the episode. Mental Midgets. Mental Midgets. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And you can, task you can apply yeah. it to whoever you want but, in this episode. Doesn't have to the be midfield, you know, you team. <laughs> the quality in midfield in this game was absolutely... I know the ball didn't... The oh, range didn't help. It was a poor surface, was, you should say. It was awful. That oh. Genuinely, it, it was first touch and then second touches had to be tackles. Like every single, every single time someone, you know, add, in midfield had, had the ball, the, it uh, was just woeful. I add this to the um, dossier of refereeing gaff from this weekend. Scott McTominay made seven fouls to then somehow yeah. avoided. And, and, and not just seven fouls. It Most was like, of his fouls were so late. Reducers. I mean, it's unbelievable yeah. what he, honestly, I, I cannot believe he stayed on the pitch today. Yeah, like, I, I, I've seen, um, one of the Arsenal journalists I follow, he has this like scale where it's if that was Granite Xhaka, he calls it, right? <laughs> On the if that was Granite Xhaka scale, Xhaka would have been sent off about four times for what Scott McTominay. It's unbelievable yeah. what he got away. It's incredible. So yeah, add that so to he's the... Still uh... out, 
yeah, he somehow managed to smash his face into a Leeds player, make him bleed, and he just uh, walked away know. like it was absolutely nothing. Yeah, <laughs> he was. He's got some meat, well. doesn't he? He put he put a photo half the game of like his gashed leg, and I thought, well, yeah, that's the least you yeah, deserve for the way yeah. you've you've flown <laughs> brutalized the afternoon. Leeds players. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I learned when I was younger watching Egyptian football. I'm Egyptian for anyone new, so wondering why I mentioned Egypt at all. Um, any foul that leads to head injury that includes bleeding is a red card. That's what I've grown up like learning. So when oh, he really? did that tackle, red card. That's uh, my first thought. And I thought it should nah. have been like at least a yellow. He's it's a yellow. Away. It's a yellow. He smashed his head against him. It's weird. I don't know why he did it. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a great game, though. But I mean, you like to see that in a in a, a yeah, in a derby, in a derby. Like that. I mean, everything was going into it, and it was a great spectacle. Actually, I have to say, six goals, absolute chaos, bad defending, uh, good finishing, bad goalkeeping from both goalkeepers. I mean, I just, yeah, I, it was just chaos. I mean, it's, you know, I, I wish Leeds would have won, but it was it was a fantastic game. Um, Newcastle. Newcastle were really good. I watched Newcastle this weekend. Uh, first time I've watched them in a few games. I was really impressed. I thought they actually, of the two teams, were the more deserving if if anyone was to win that game. Um, I thought Absolutely. they played really well. It's as good and as the, I've seen them under Eddie Howe. Yeah, and, and Eddie Howe has made, made changed the club completely and, and the culture and the way... I mean, obviously, the, the takeover helped as well. But the, the way things are in, in, at St. James's is completely different now. It's genuinely, it's unbelievable how yeah, much... Yeah, you, you um, can attest to that. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the atmosphere has changed. Not only that, they're playing better football. Newcastle, throughout the years, have always been known for great football up until, obviously, the past you know six, I suppose. Um, and maybe a little bit into the Pardew era, era as well. Uh, where where it's a bit dross, um, but yeah, Newcastle's been fantastic, uh, and not only that is, I think there's a, a lot of players that Eddie Howe knows are dead weights and need to be yeah. completely gutted. Jacob Murphy, um, Almiron, mm. uh, I think Joe Linton's got a place, but there's there's a lot of players. Um, but he's that, still getting that a tune good out of them. them. Still getting a tune. Craft. They all need to go, and they will go in the summer, I imagine. Mm. But it, at least for now, get it's going to yeah. I was going to say, like, it, it, when the uh, the new owners came in, it, it must be so obvious to probably nine. And, and it was kind of the reason I thought they could go down because you look at it and you think ninety five percent of these players know that within probably yeah. eighteen twenty four months they're not going to be there because where the club is looking to go, they 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 are going to be left behind on this journey. And so, how do you then uh, cultivate a, an environment where? They're giving everything to survive yeah. because they yeah. might not even be at the. I mean, if they get relegated, they probably have to stay. But if they don't, it you know they're probably going to be sold on anyway and probably have to move down. So I think he's done a great job of, as you said, getting everyone on side, getting everyone working for each other, yeah. uh, fostering a good culture in the dressing room, and all this stuff plays into ultimately what you get on the day. Obviously, the the tactical element of it will make sense uh, uh, is important, but you have to get everybody in the right headspace and prepared to give everything. And, and and I looked at that and I thought that was 11 players out there that were giving everything for the cause and, and yeah. fully deserved to take at least a point from that game. It was, uh, yeah, it was really impressive for them. Um, Absolutely. I want to move on because I, I, I need to get something off my chest about this weekend. Um, 
I watched the Arsenal game. Uh, we played really well. Deserved to beat Brentford more than 2-1. Very pleased with that aspect of it. Um, I'm not pleased with the refereeing. And, and it's nothing new. And I don't want to be the guy that just rants about referees needlessly. You don't but, want to take my reputation. No, no. I mean, you can have that one. And, and, I, and I want to make it clear that I'm not necessarily suggesting that there's um, anything sinister going on in terms of referees favouring certain teams and certain teams not getting decisions. But I just cannot believe in this game we didn't get given at least one penalty. There was four different incidents where we could have had a penalty, probably should have had a penalty. And it's not necessarily that all of them are disgraceful decisions. But it's kind of like an accumulated thing, like you add them up. If you have four 50-50 decisions and you get none of them, I mean, what are the chances of that? And I just look at it and the consistency of it makes no sense. And I, and I, like, I, look, I think the most obvious one is the handball where the Brentford player slides in and his arm goes above his head like that to block the ball on the ground. Nothing given, not referred to VAR. And then you've got the Spurs, a Man City Spurs game less than two hours later and Romero is sliding in, and it's pretty much exactly the same thing, hand above his head, and it gets referred to VAR, and a penalty is given. I, I do not, and it's nothing new, and it's been going on all season, but I do not understand the inconsistency between what is deemed appropriate for the referee to go and have a look at and what isn't, because you've yeah. essentially now got this kind of arbitrary situation where they go to the monitor, but you already know they're overturning it. It's not that they're going and having another look, because... It warrant, it's close enough to warrant um, the referee having a second look. And I'm not saying I just want loads and loads of stoppages because maybe you would reach a situation where there is too much of it. But I think there needs to be a balance between what is essentially VAR's making the decision, but the referee's just having a look at the monitor. Kind of, It's almost like they're just ticking a box like for, for the, you know, it's due process or whatever. They have to do it. But you know it's getting overturned. And they're looking to, and if they were looking at the monitor too much, and and and, and, and you know, I think you need to find a balance between the two because some of the decisions are, you know, we end up winning the game and deservedly so, but had we not won that game, I I, I would not have been able to get over it because it just doesn't make any sense to me that some of these decisions happening when you've got VAR, it makes no sense to me at all. It, it it's um with the whole monitor thing it absolutely makes no sense to me I, i'm trying to find the right word but i can't think of it but the whole essence of it is it's like it's not hypocritical but it, it, it basically to need a monitor suggests that it's subjective because var can't make the decision itself and needs yeah. the ref to go back and see it to then decide on his own whether or not not he thinks it is so it's it's, it's completely it's, it's so um, confusing. I'm trying to think of the the word, but it, it it's completely um, defeats the purpose of having VAR where you you overturn what they have described as clear and obvious. Well, you know, clear, do you know what it is with a lot of them as well? Just, I don't know. With with the whole clear and obvious thing, I think the thing is that because it's been branded as you don't overturn stuff unless it's clear and obvious, that's assuming the referee is absolutely forthright and certain with his decision, i.e. he's seen a penalty appeal and he's certain it wasn't one, and therefore you need concrete evidence to suggest it actually was one. 
But what if the referee's not sure? Like, I'm pretty sure for at least two of those penalty appeals, the referee didn't see it properly, and therefore you're probably not going to give it, and VAR can have a look, and if it is a penalty, gives it, and if it isn't a penalty, doesn't give it. But the problem is VAR's assuming the referee didn't think it was a penalty and therefore needs... It's kind of like there's a certain amount they have to be sure it's a penalty to overturn it. And that's where I think it's becoming a problem for me. This whole clear and error rhetoric, yeah. it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Either it's a penalty or it isn't. And I understand some are going to be hotly disputed and you're not going to get everything right. But I surely think, given the amount of replays they're looking at for some of these goals and appeals, and they, they could be doing a lot better than what they are. And, and I, again, I'll stress, I don't want to keep talking about referees because it's it's boring, it's tiresome. But on another day, we might end up drawing or even losing that game. And it, it's almost exclusively down to poor process, when particularly with VAR. Yeah. Um, I think my final decision on VAR is that it is incompatible with football. So bin it. I would on. get rid of it, just to make like my opinion clear. I don't think yeah. it's particularly realistic. I don't think they will get rid of it. I think, I, I think, I think that was the whole thing with it at the start. It was... Once we transition to VAR, there kind There's of isn't no any going back. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's we've strange. now reached a point because we're, we're so entrenched in it. And, mm. and don't get me wrong, you do need it sometimes. So the, the example yeah. I keep thinking of, that Chelsea uh, Tottenham-Chelsea game in the Carabao Cup, Tottenham got given two, two. ridiculous yeah. penalties. I mean, can you imagine yeah. if they'd won that game and gone to Wembley because of those two decisions? It would have been an yeah. absolute farce. And so for that, you do need it. And it was it was good in both cases because it was literally one look at both of them. Neither of those are penalties. Job done, overturned. That's what you need it for. But then everything in was... between is, mm. is blurred lines. I remember when it was introduced to the World Cup and it actually ran really smoothly. Yeah. I, can't, I can't see why Premier League football seems so far away from that. VAR, the word is finally coming to my mind. VAR has become a paradox. It contradicts itself, especially when you take so long to make a decision. If it's taking that long to make a decision, it's subjective. So, yeah. so, it's, uh, exactly. so if you need to look at ten replays, it's clearly not objective, and therefore you move on. But there seems to be some bizarre decisions at the end of it. it, it, it yeah, it's not working. Something yeah, needs something to change. Clear and obvious, but then the the offsides, for example, are anything but clear and obvious. Yeah. Like they're yeah. by that much. And even if you look at the like the maths behind it, because you're freezing it, there's kind of a there's a degree of error of you know when the ball leaves the player's foot. It's just never going to be completely accurate. So. I think, uh, well, at least I'm going to conclude. Yeah. Referees are bad. VAR is bad. And I just don't see it improving <laughs> it like anytime soon. And it's just depressing because, as I said, on another day, it costs you the result. Yeah. And it and it's just so frustrating because it just, it, it can't be as bad as this. And yet it doesn't seem like it's getting any better. Uh, and you're at the ground as well. I feel you. I wasn't on this. I wasn't on this occasion. Oh, you wasn't. Actually, I wasn't. Thank God. I mean, honestly, it took them ages as well to make some of the decisions. It was just utterly ridiculous. But that's another problem with it. When you're in the ground, you just don't have a clue what's going on. It's just awful. The whole thing sucks. Basically, let's move on. Yes. So in the next segment, we're going to look at a bit of European football. Okay, and moving on, uh, we're going to talk a bit about some of the upcoming games in the week for the Champions League. Uh, George's Chelsea are in action against Lille. How are you feeling about that one, mate? Yeah, I mean, uh, 
Champions League, I'm pretty confident with only because we don't concede <laughs> effectively. And if we do, it's normally like penalties. So pretty, pretty happy with that. Yeah, we're, we're a decent knockout team. Um, Tuchel's a, he's a uh, knockout specialist. Yeah, actually. Champ- champion, champions of the world. PSG. So um, yeah, champions yeah, of the world. We'll go, get we'll that go one in there. Get, um, get, your, yeah, get the European title again. Yeah, I'd expect them to beat Lil pretty comfortably, actually. Um, Predictions? Um, who's uh, going to go through? I I think one nil and then a two nil away from home. Yeah, so. I can. I actually could see. Are they away first? They were actually no, they second. Home first. They came second. Yeah, I, I'd expect them to win the home leg to nil. Although away goals don't matter anymore, do they? I'm still getting used yeah, to that not. from some of the games from last week. Uh, so I suppose it's not as imperative to keep a clean sheet. I'd expect Chelsea to win by more than one goal. Um, although Lukaku was dreadful at the weekend. I know we didn't talk about the game. I mean, seven touches. So wow, <laughs> really. Did you not know that's that? lowest no. low since record? Did you, yeah. Lukaku had seven know. touches in nine. He had two touches in the first half, and one of them was the kickoff. I mean, that's incredible. <laughs> that's actually incredible. I genuinely that's... think like, if you had wow. like a non-league striker and they went and played like Man City away, I don't think they would do. It'd be pretty hard to do worse than that, wouldn't it? One touch other than the kickoff is mad. So he's not wow. been on form. I still think Chelsea will win though. I think yeah. that they get more than the sum of their parts. They're a very solid knockout football team um, me too general agreement yeah, yeah. Uh, Villarreal Juventus where do we see this one I mean Juventus have been poor this season eh, they've been really been kind of... bloody average uh, I know they topped the group with Chelsea but Vlaovic is a good addition I think they needed a finisher he's pretty poor the uh, other night when I saw him he might have even been last night that's the thing with strikers. So if you're not scoring goals, you're going to have a He's on fraud watch now for all Arsenal fans. You have to understand, they're literally going to watch every game he plays. Every like yeah, mistake uh, so he... <laughs> he makes is going to be clipped up because he was rubbish anyway and we didn't want him. All right. Um, but yeah, yeah I, think, I, I, think, I think I'm going to go for Juventus just because they have... They have a bit more ju- like, I agree, yeah. but I don't think convincingly. Like, I think Emery's a decent knockout football manager. He is a pragmatic manager. He's not, you know, a, a, he's not a 38 game a season guy that gets results from week to week. But when it comes to beating a team across two legs, he's pro- albeit like probably worse teams in the Europa League, but he's proven he can do it. Um, they probably should have beaten Man United in the groups as well. They're like, they're very, yeah. they're a very decent side. They're not bad. Um, but I think Juventus will. S- week through i'm George. gonna make a really specific prediction that it goes go to penalties on. goes penalties um but juventus do go through um okay. that's my that's my prediction okay. even after that brilliant shootout win for Villarreal yeah. in the yeah. europa league gosh yeah that's interesting even, even that that's because the hail was in goal right? yeah because yeah <laughs> <laughs> and man united just don't save penalties as no. this season's proved as well um we'll leave their game to a last i want to talk about benfica ix first uh I haven't watched a lot of either team, but I was notified by Fergal on the last podcast I did. Benfica had a pretty dreadful week where they went out of the cup and they lost some league game to to, to a team that they really shouldn't be losing to. Yeah. Uh, yeah Saka said they're not very good for Tongan and Otamendi still getting a game for them. I, uh, yeah. Ajax. Ajax are going three. A Delta Rap though is in Benfica, so you he's, never... he's, he's at Benfica, isn't he? Yeah, I remember Still, that from yeah. last season actually. Yeah, um, but yeah, Ajax go through. Easy. I think yeah, I think Ajax go through. Yeah, Ajax yeah. love being knocked out in the quarters, finals, and semi-finals. So yeah. Ajax for me. There okay, you go. Cool. <laughs> right, the last game. This is probably the one that warrants the most discussion. Atletico Madrid against Manchester United. I find this one really tough to call because both teams are not very good. <laughs> I don't find it tough to call at all. 
You don't? Yeah, no. Atletico are going to go through pretty straightforwardly. Um, I think United lack an, like a lot of car- character. Um, and Ronaldo not going to drag them over the line then in Europe. No, no, no. no. Ronaldo's, Ronaldo's form is like, what, one goal in six now? Um no, it's it's not going to happen. So the problem with Man United now is that they've they've truly lost a lot of the character you need for big like big European games. And Ronaldo, mm. start of the season, Ronaldo used to drag them over the line so many times. Uh, I think twice against Villarreal, once against uh, Atalanta. So no, twice against Atalanta. I think Atletico Madrid, yeah. Madrid have already conceded more than they conceded all of last season and their defensive displays have been Yeah, the shocking. defense is gone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, All Black very out of it and but that the, and they are the the worst defense I think in the top yeah, in the top 11 teams in La Liga this season like on Mad, the current league, I mean, it's just, in the current league crazy. Which is crazy. There will be goals for both teams, but I think I think pretty sure probably go through something like 4-1 on aggregate or something. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a bit of wishful predicting and just like bear with me on this one. Man United mm. will go through, and I want them to go through because I want them because I know they're not gonna win the Champions League. There is just ah, no okay. way they so will it win it. It's a bit easier, but I want them to go through because that then that puts their focus on that a bit more, and they might drop some points in the league that they otherwise might not have. Okay. Um, I'm I'm going yeah. a different route, Harry. I think I, I think I really hope Atletico batter them. And their morale, Ronaldo <laughs> kicks up a first. Obviously, that's true. That is actually true. Maguire so puts in puts in an own goal, and Ronaldo. Yeah. That's the final straw for Ronaldo, uh, and he's like, "No, I'm taking captaincy." Obviously, I think Ragnick will will, um, will back Maguire, and I think he's already said, brilliant. "Yeah, yeah, he and he'd be brilliant." And I think he'll just blow up. So I'm hoping hoping for a uh, Atletico Madrid. Uh, it's interesting yeah. that isn't it i suppose like if they had a run to the semi-final you do you know have a situation sometimes you worry where... about ronaldo as well you do yeah. worry about ronaldo i'm not worried about them winning it but it maybe it you know they kind of um transfers over into their league form and they get a bit of momentum i, I like i think either way they're they're pretty poor and they're gonna lose games and they're not gonna win the champions league i mean i, I just not good enough one to 11 I, mean, I i honestly think like of, of all the teams that will go through i think they'll comfortably be the worst if not you know second or third worst there's a lot of teams that are better than them basically um moving on after we've cast our predictions uh just to sort of have a roundup in europe Fergus not here are we going to do the tabs on tammy without him in his honor um, i uh yeah i can i can fill in this week uh, because yeah. there's things fill there's in. a thing or two to say about syria this week complete yeah. entertainment guys if you're not watching syria i'd make an effort to try to watch it because it's bizarre how the title race is going the, the race for your europe is going so no goals for tammy this week um and a red card for jose Mourinho yet again uh, that in, is music to my ears in a uh, 2-2 a desmond home draw with Elas Verona, who are now one place behind uh, Roma, in ninth. That's right. Roma are in eighth place now. Um, although the difference between them and Europe is not very, is not the biggest. Um, no. But so they're they're still in the conversation in terms of the title race in Syria. So mm. yesterday we're recording on Sunday. So Monday night there are three teams involved in the title race. Monday night Napoli plays against 18th place Cagliari. 
so that you'd expect them to win. However, AC Milan, who were top of the league coming into this game week, drew against 20th place, Salernitana, 2-2. So Milan ended up dropping points. Afterwards, Inter Milan, earlier today on Sunday, played Sassuolo at home, lost 2-0. So AC Milan got ahead by one point. They're now two points ahead of Inter Milan. Inter Milan have a game in hand, so if they win it, they're only one point ahead of AC Milan. But now you have a situation where Milan should have won against 20th place, um, got got uh, like at least you know some spring in their step, and given Inter losses as Wolo, but then Inter failed to capitalize on AC Milan's loss, um, and who knows what's gonna happen in Napoli against Cagliari, and that will have been played when the episode comes out. So this uh, you'll you'll know the result by now. Right at the top. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it, the Serie A is, is bizarre, and I expect mm. the title race to go right to the wire. Because all teams are inconsistent, <laughs> like everyone. Yeah, it'll go right to the wire in Italy, uh, not in France, unfortunately. Uh, not in France, although PSG lost 3-1 to Nantes. Yep. Um, they uh, are 13 are points clear. About that penalty? Uh, what's that? Oh, Neymar. I didn't actually watch it. I, 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 yeah, you reminded me now. Yeah, I should, uh, I have you seen that. it, George? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the worst penalty to hit the target. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it's, it's every bit as bad as, like, Adamola Lookman's yeah. failed Penenka. Yeah. It's on that sort yeah. of level. It's just terrible. Those look dreadful when they don't come off. They, I've always thought, like, they look great when you send the keeper the wrong way and it just, you know, rolls. But if the keeper just stays where like, he is. I feel like oh. the keeper could have dived, got back up, and then could have controlled <laughs> thrown it. himself could've, could've to the other. just controlled yeah, yeah, it with yeah. his left foot and, uh, <laughs> and, like, just, you know, <laughs> done a little ball roll and picked it up. I mean, it was just, ugh. It, makes me, it does make me wonder how boring this season is going to be for PSG if they're knocked out of the Champions League. It's the Real same Madrid. every year. I know, I mean, I know that they've cocked up the league a couple of times. Don't get me wrong. I mean, yeah. in recent years, they haven't always but won it. They're 13 what, points clear now. Their expectation is they win the league. Anything yeah. less is a disaster. But if you win the league, you don't really get any credit for doing that because that's what's expected. Yeah. And, and pretty much, and I've said this before on this podcast, they are a soulless club for this reason. Their yeah. only objective is to win the Champions League every year, which is essentially knockout mm. football. Yeah. And, and, and you're going to get, you know, Man City have probably been the best team in Europe over the last three or four seasons, haven't won it. I know they got to the final last year, but they haven't won it. They've dicked it up a few times. If that's your only aim going into a season, it, it is quite boring, I think. Yeah, and then uh, when you win the Champions League, it's a relief rather than joy. Yeah, rather than yeah, actually, yeah, like, in, I think enjoying it, you know? And I'm yeah. not saying, like, PSG before they, you know, got the bloody takeover and were a nothing club. I mean, I'm not saying they're, they're worse now than they were then. Obviously, like, they've, you know, won a load of titles and stuff. But I don't know. It must just get quite boring. I don't yeah. have any sympathy them for them though. Like oh, I just like Man City. I just kind of I, I, I to be honest, I'm actually starting to feel apathy towards Man City because they keep dicking it up against Tottenham for no other reason than that. <laughs> but like other than that, like clubs like Man City and PSG is kind of, I don't really care to much. I don't really care. Like, they win yeah, yeah, they win the Premier League, I don't I don't care. No, no. Just, just um, completely irrelevant. But someone who um, I have a lot of sympathy for, uh, U.S. men's national team player, is Giorena. Um, he yeah, started today. Uh, yeah, because he started today for the first time since August. 
uh, because oh. of a long-term injury and then came off with an injury and looks oh. on top, which looks a long-term one. Yeah. Uh, it's just yeah, awful. rough. 27 yeah. minutes in. Dorman ended up winning 6-0, but that's like just part of the story. But, man, I Yeah, they so recovered bad. from their midweek dropping by Rangers. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that was bizarre, wasn't it? That was like, and then Rangers lost today to Dundee United. Yeah, they're not. It's just football, isn't it? That's just football. Dundee would probably be in the third division of German football. Yeah, Bayern Munich were threatening to... Go on. Was it a draw? I think it was a draw today. Oh, was it a draw? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's poor for me. I I, I saw the scoreline and didn't remember it was like maybe 27 minutes in or something. Um, Like it was in the middle of the game when it was 1-0. Okay, so yeah, they did draw. Uh, to Dundee United, uh, Bayern Munich were threatening to be in a bit of a rotten run. So they they'd lost to Bochum four two. They drew against Salzburg one one in the Champions League. Obviously, severe underperformance. That's why how good Salzburg are in general. Um, and then they were one 0 down against actual last place team Gröthe Fürth today. And then they they just came out second half banged out four and one four one. So. Yeah. They're back, I guess. Back. They just. I mean, even to... if they had lost, it wouldn't really have. Well, yeah. to the title race, it wouldn't have mattered, but it would have been a well. concern, like because then uh, Borussia Dortmund, I think, are six points behind, something like that. So it's they're not completely, completely out of the question. Not obviously, not mathematically, not like PSG, thirteen mm. points ahead. Yeah, you know. But yeah, yeah, I strain it with Bayern. I mean. Uh, I think they're good, and I think they'll do well in the Champions League. But I think there's something like second favourites, like they're, they're they're betting odds are better than Liverpool, which I just find baffling because I can't see them winning it. Um, mm. They they look hella dodgy against Salzburg as well, who did play well. Um, moving on, let's finish this week with our fancy picks, guys. Uh, Fogel's not here, oh. so I don't know if we're going to be able to go over the maths of it all. But um, no, we are. We are. Have you got it? Have you got it to hand? I've got it to hand. I've got it to hand. I'm he comes prepared. He I'm, comes bloody say. prepared. We've still got a double game week in yeah, we've progress, got right? Incoming. Oh, uh, we have I've just realised who I picked as well, for God's <sighs> sake. Oh, God. Oh, what the too. hell was going on there? So, for the on the bench? Picked, uh, Robertson, yep. yeah, was on the bench. Simicast started. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold was on, was, uh, on the bench. Joe Gomez started at right back. Hey, we had a shocker, mate. <laughs> and I've I've picked Trent triple for captain triple as well. captain. Yeah. But there's still the least game to play, so who knows? But George was spot on. Salah triple captain. Uh, so yeah, Salah he's already... But he, he already has 30 points, George, off this game week. Um, because obviously Salah, Salah has 10. So uh, so he got three oh, right, bonus points. Right. So he got three bonus points. He got the play points, points okay. and then the goal. I was going to say... Right, okay. Yeah. So... Yeah. Yeah, Salah on 30 points for George. 10 points for Fergal. Uh, he played his um, his wild card, so he picked Salah twice. He won't be able to pick Salah again. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I picked Trent for triple captain. Zero. Harry picked Robertson. Zero. George oh, picked yeah. Salah. Lovely. 30. And that changes the dynamic of the table completely. That's Harry incredible, actually. I'm wow. on 106 points. Uh, staying obviously where I am until further, um, you know, when the when the Leeds game is played, who knows what's going to happen there. Fergal is second place with 106 points. So creeping ever closer since he got I mean, the 10 points of Salah. I mean, you just mean 100 Yeah. Um, he's, uh, yeah, 100 points. Fergal's 100 <laughs> points. So I'm on 106. Fergal's 100. Uh, still with the second game to play. Yeah. 
um, George has 30 points, up to 95 points in third place. 95. So Harry, I'm I'm afraid after you had you had some form of a bright spark to your yeah. game no, and it started creeping. You no, had the Jared Bowman 21 point week and then one one zero two zero so far. Storm. And so yeah, so, <laughs> yep. So you're on 70 points and you're completely out of the equation. I think unless you have like a triple captain masterclass later well, I've got on a season. triple captain up the sleeve but I don't know who to give it to because I've wasted my Liverpool players and you just can't trust Pep Guardiola to reliably play a Man City player because he just exactly. dicks about a rotation so yeah. Uh, yeah I've got to be really careful with that yeah um, I'll just stick to the predictions I'm good at predicting the table but I'm dreadful at fantasy I just I've had enough of it yep. yeah yep and on that note on that depressing <laughs> on the drab note <sighs> I think we'll leave it there for tonight thanks as ever to the guys for joining me thank you harry Appreciate yeah it. thank you thank Great. you for listening i hope you enjoyed it and we'll see you on the next one cheers